All right. How are y'all doing tonight? I think the microphone is working. All right. Uh, well, it's always good to be here. I was going to be here anyway, but uh, Terry asked me if I would be the ram in the bush on this occasion, and I agreed. Uh, I'm glad to... Um, I'm glad to participate, though. I mean, we've been thinking all summer about Jesus Christ, and there's no better meditation than to meditate on the life and the person of Jesus Christ. And particularly, we have been looking at various aspects of our relationship to Jesus. Who is Jesus exactly for us? And the answer to that is manifold, and it has taken us all summer to examine all of those various ways that Jesus is meaningful uh, to us. And so I appreciate the thought and the thrust of the lessons we've had. And uh, Terry asked me if I would think together with you about Jesus as our mediator. So that's what we're going to think about together tonight. Jesus, our mediator. First, the concept of a mediator. What is a mediator? A mediator is a go-between, an intermediary, a mediator is a person who serves as a referee of sorts between two parties. And the idea is that the mediator will help the two parties to communicate and preserve or enhance their relationship. And sometimes a mediator serves in a rather neutral environment. That is, there is no particular problem, no particular difficulty, but there is some hindrance to their communication or their relationship. For example, a person might use an intermediary or a mediator if they are separated by distance. And so one person wants to communicate something to another, but there is some significant distance between them. And so to get the message from point A to point B, a mediator, an intermediary is used. It could be that two people are physically proximate. That is, they're close enough to communicate personally but there is some hindrance. Perhaps they don't share a common language. And you remember, I think, in Genesis when Joseph was dealing with his brethren there in Egypt, he communicated with them using an interpreter. That person was a mediator. That person was a go-between. And so sometimes a mediator functions in a rather neutral environment. Most of the time, though, when we think about a mediator, this person is serving as a referee because there is some difficulty between the parties involved. That is, there has been some kind of offense. There has offense, there's been some kind of disagreement. And so the two parties are having difficulties getting on the same page, maintaining conditions for peace. And so a third party comes in. A go-between, one who is known and trusted by the two parties, one in whom there is at least a reasonable modicum of trust, and they will communicate using the mediator to facilitate their communication with one another. They will use the mediator to help negotiate terms of peace. And you see this with with human beings all the time. You, you remember in Matthew 18, Jesus says, if your brother offends you, if your brother sins against you, you, you make the personal effort to go and speak with your brother about the sin, about the offense. If your brother listens to you, you will have gained your brother. So the breach that was created because of the offense 
can be mended sometimes without the intervention of a third party. That's good and that's great. What if that person doesn't listen? Jesus then prescribes the introduction of mediators. Then go and get a couple of other people and you go and talk to that, that brother again. And if that brother, if they will listen to, if the person will listen to those intermediaries, those mediators, then we have achieved our objective. We have repaired the breach that has been made by the sin. And so Jesus says, mediators can help to bridge the gap and the gap is sometimes there because of sin some wrongdoing some kind of offense I think that we're all familiar with this idea the mediator's objective though is less about finding fault the mediator's objective is to restore conditions for peace between the parties you know, sometimes when hostilities break out, people have a tough time communicating with one another. Maybe husbands and wives know how this can happen. I mean, somebody does or says something and somebody gets upset and, and you don't have conditions for peace. People may do some talking, but the listening isn't quite happening and, and there's confusion because things are being misinterpreted. And so sometimes even the husband and the wife, you know, they just need to say, hey, listen, can we sit down with you and, and talk this through with you and have somebody kind of interpret what's being said and make some suggestions you know if your wife is asking you to do this or that maybe you should maybe you should just go ahead and do that you know because it'd be better to maintain the peace and to make some suggestions I mean we've all heard about this we've all seen this and and you know lawyers uh, have to mediate all the time I mean lawyers their job really is not to win cases their job is to try to help mend and restore relationships when there are breaches so that's the concept of a mediator now think with me about the custom of mediators that is God's custom of using mediators. Human beings sometimes need a third party to help them communicate and to preserve or enhance their relationships. Well, you know, God has used mediators, that is intermediaries, go-betweens to facilitate his communication with the human family. He has done that from time to time. He has used intermediaries to help strengthen his relationships with the human family. You remember that uh, when God called Israel out of the uh, nation of, out of the country of Egypt and he was going to establish his relationship with them the Bible says he used angels to help install the law Galatians 3 19 and 20 he used heavenly messengers to help communicate his wants and desires the terms and conditions for peace with Israel he used heavenly beings to assist with that they were his intermediaries and you know that he used a human intermediary to to affect the formalizing of their relationship he used Moses right and so God communicated things to heavenly beings and he communicated things to a human being in particular 
but the message was intended for the entire nation. He used a go-between in order to bring that into effect. And so sometimes he has used intermediaries when the conditions were relatively neutral. Israel as a nation uh, had not done anything particularly wrong. They weren't perfect people, but they hadn't done anything particularly wrong to offend Jehovah when he called them out of Egypt, but he chose to use an intermediary. Now listen to this. I think it's interesting. I told you that sometimes you use an intermediary because there is some distance between the parties. And isn't there distance between Jehovah and the human family? God resides in heaven. Jesus says that. His throne is in heaven and here are people on the earth. That's his footstool. He uses a heavenly being to cover that distance. And so he uses intermediaries. He, he's done that. That's, that's not new, that practice. Sometimes he has used intermediaries. He has used mediators when there is overt hostility between him and the human family. God was displeased with what Pharaoh was doing with the nation of Israel. They were being sore oppressed and they were crying out to God and God heard their cries. In order to deal with the one who was responsible for their oppression, that is the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, God, you remember in Exodus chapters 3 and 4, he comes to Moses and tells Moses that Moses was to go and speak to Israel, yes, but to Pharaoh also on his behalf. God had a dispute with Pharaoh about how Pharaoh was treating his people, and so he uses a mediator, a middle person, to go and deal with that dispute. You remember that... Uh, in 2 Samuel 12, that's right on the heels of David's sin with Bathsheba and murder of Uriah. God is displeased with David. I suppose if he chose, he could have dealt with David directly, but he didn't choose to do that. He used Nathan, a prophet, as an intermediary to help settle a dispute that he had with his servant, the king of Egypt. What I'm saying to you is that God has a custom, and, and, and you can see this in the Old Testament. He has a custom of using go-betweens to facilitate his communications with the human family. It's interesting to me that he has used a myriad of people and a variety of offices to effect his communication, particularly when there is some hostility, when there is some dispute. I mentioned the prophets. Oh, the prophets were the chief messengers of God. God would dispatch a prophet to go to his people and tell them what thus saith the Lord. The prophets didn't tell the people what they thought. The prophets told the people what God said. God used them to get messages to his people. And sometimes to people who were not his people. 
You remember in Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 1, he told Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. And Jonah didn't want to do that. And so in chapter 3 in verse 1, after God had him spend some time in the belly of the great fish, he said, you go to Nineveh and you preach unto those people the preaching that listen to it. I bid you. The prophets were simply mediators. They were simply intermediaries carrying messages from God to his people. But not from God to his people only. Jonah went to people who were not God's people. In Isaiah chapter 6, you recall God says, I need someone to go. Who will I send and who will go for us? And and Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And so he says, uh, okay, you go and you tell my people. And he says, that having eyes they won't see and having ears they won't hear. And he gives them the content of the message. But listen, he says, I'm going to use you as my mediator to speak to my people. So God used prophets to communicate with his people. But listen, he also arranged it so that the prophets could communicate with him on behalf of his people. It's a two-way communication street. It's not just that God was dictating to people. He, he certainly was communicating with people, but he was listening to his people through the prophets. The prophets were the ones who could take the hand of God, so to speak, and take the hand of the people and facilitate communication between the two. You remember that uh, so many times there in the wilderness, you look in the book of Exodus, you look in the book of Numbers, you look in the book of Deuteronomy, the people rebel against God there in the wilderness, and Moses is the one who would he would say intercede on behalf of the people with God he's on the mountain and the people decide that he's been gone for too long and they create an idol and they want to worship the idol and God says to Moses you need to get back down there because those people are really acting up and I'm going to have to do something about it and so he goes down he sees what they're doing he stops what they're doing and then he goes back to God and pleads to God on their behalf Time and time again, Israel would falter. And God said on one occasion, leave me alone because I'm going to destroy this people. And, and Moses says, no, listen, Lord, don't, don't do that. Please, don't do it that way. He intercedes on the people's behalf. And then God says, at your word, at your word, I'm going to spare them. He, he communicated with God on behalf of the people. And so he was, a, he was a mediator. You see, he was trying to maintain conditions of peace between two parties, one divine and one human. And so the prophets. And also the priests. The priests. We don't oftentimes think about this, but the priests, yes, they were responsible for offering sacrifices. That is, they stood in the stead of the offender and they would communicate with God on behalf of the offender. That is, they would take the offender's offering and they would offer it to God on the offender's behalf. And that is a mediation. But they were also responsible primarily, they were the ones primarily responsible for teaching the law to the people. 
You see, so they're doing two things. One, they are communicating with God on behalf of the people by offering their sacrifices. But then they're also communicating with the people on God's behalf by telling the people what the law says. And so the priests functioned as intermediaries. And the kings. The king's primary role was to be a mediator between God and his people. Now, you recall that God didn't initially set things up that way. God used a system of judges to deliver the people when the need arose. But, but he says, listen, I was their king, 1 Samuel chapter 8, and they rejected me when they said they want to have a human king. So he accepts their desire and he grants their petition and he gives them an earthly king. What was the king's function, though? The king was supposed to call the people to righteousness and justice and obedience to God. The king was supposed to restrain people when they would deviate from righteousness and justice. The king was supposed to exemplify righteousness and justice and faithfulness to God. And that was designed to help the people maintain a right relationship with God. And you recall that the king was charged with having his own copy of the law and reading and studying the same. Why? Because it was his function to help the people maintain remain within the bounds of the covenant they had established with God at Sinai his function was essentially that of a mediator now this is helpful because when you think about this God used in the Old Testament a number of people and he used several different offices in order to communicate with his people and in order to maintain peaceful relations with his people. He used a number of people and a number of offices to do that. But the reason that I share this with you and I sort of invite you to think about this with me is that this was his custom from of old. It's, it's not a new thing when we come to the New Testament, but thinking about how God has always done things helps us to better understand what we read in the New Testament of about our Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas he did use a number of people and a variety of offices to do all of this, the Bible says uh, in the New Testament that he uses one. All of those people and all of those offices and all of those efforts, they become intertwined, they become married together, they culminate in the one man, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we see that. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, For there is one God, the Bible says, one mediator also between God and men, himself man, Christ Jesus. It's no longer 
prophets and priests and kings. It's no longer an army of people trying to help facilitate communication and maintain a peaceful relationship. It is now one man, the man, Jesus Christ. The Christ as the mediator. Jesus can do this because Jesus is a prophet. You remember that uh, we have this promise there in Deuteronomy 18 and 18. The Bible says God makes the promise. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto you, unto Moses. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. What he's saying is this prophet that I'll raise up will be an intermediary for me with the people. I will speak to him and he will speak to them. Didn't Jesus say, uh, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Didn't Jesus say, when you heard me, you've heard the Father? Didn't Jesus say, when, when you hear my words, you, you hear the Father's words? I haven't said anything that the Father didn't give me to say. He is the prophet that was promised in Deuteronomy 18, the one through whom God would speak to the human family. He is prophet. Now, he's also priest. Very interesting. You know, you read through the book of Hebrews, and there are so many complex concepts in the book of Hebrews, and they're, they're rooted in the Old Testament. You've got to have some appreciation of what's going on in the Old Testament to appreciate some of what it has to say about our Lord Jesus Christ. But it says repeatedly there that he is our priest, Hebrews 3 and 1, Hebrews 4 and 14, Hebrews 6 and verse number 20. What does that mean? He is the one who teaches us the word of God, and he is the one who can offer sacrifices on our behalf. And Jesus made the sacrifice on our behalf. He is prophet, priest, and he is king. When he was on trial, he was asked, are you king of the Jews, Matthew 27, verse 11. And Jesus responded, you have said, it's exactly as you say it is. The Bible says in Revelation chapter one, isn't it, that he is king of kings. Doesn't he say repeatedly that uh, the kingdom is at hand? And, and don't his disciples, don't they ask him? And I know James and John used their mother, but it was James and John who really wanted to ask the question. Don't they say, when you come into your kingdom? Listen, they recognized that Jesus had a kingdom. He would say, my kingdom is not of this world, but he does have a kingdom. He is a king in a spiritual kingdom. And so Jesus is all three, prophet, priest, and king. That qualifies him to function in all of the various ways that we read about in the Old Testament as our mediator, as the one who intercedes with God for us and intercedes with us for God. 
The Bible tells us explicitly that Jesus makes intercession between God and man. You remember in Isaiah 53 and verse number 12 in particular, the Bible says, it's interesting, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Listen to it. Yet he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In Isaiah 53, in verse number 12, the prophet tells us that Jehovah promised that Jesus would be elevated specifically in part because he would function as our mediator. He would make intercession for the transgressors. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 34, at the end of that passage, you know, it's a thrilling passage. Paul talks about uh, all of the things that, uh, the things that wouldn't separate us from God. He says, who is he that condemns? It is Christ Jesus that died, yea, rather, that was raised from the dead. Listen to it. Who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Jesus Christ intervenes with the Father on behalf of his people. He makes intercession for us. In Hebrews 7 and verse 25, wherefore also he is able to save to the uttermost them that draw near unto God through him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. You know, the thrust of that verse is that uh, the folks who made intercession in the Old Testament, uh, eventually they would die. And when they died, they stayed dead. So they had to be replaced. Jesus did die, but he was raised and he ever lives to make intercession for us. You don't replace Jesus because there's only one and the one that we have, he, he lives forever. And he's in a perfect position to, to mediate for me and for, with God. I mean, he's able, to, he's able to see that I have a problem because I have committed some outrage. There's a breach in my relationship with God. And he's able to see the hostility that that creates with God. And he's able to intervene on my behalf with the Father. Jesus is the one mediator. He is the one who intercedes for us. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the one who makes and pursues peace for the human family with God. He is the one who can secure a cessation of hostility. I mean, we're the reason that hostility sometimes exists. God has never uh, wronged us in any way and we rebel against him, and because he cannot abide sin, a chasm is created between us and him. In Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, you know, the Bible says, listen, it's not that God can't hear, it's not that he can't save, but, but you know what? You're bathed and lathered in sin, and God can't have anything to do with that, so he will not hear, and he will not save. It's our sin that creates the problem. Jesus is the one who pursues peace on our behalf. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to pay attention to the one word, through. 
you have to use the mediator to have a peaceful relationship with the Creator. Will you have peace with God? Listen, not without the mediator who makes peace. It all comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus uh, is our mediator. He's the one who facilitates reconciliation. Reconciliation is uh, the repairing of a breach that has been made. Two parties, uh, some hostility has developed, and reconciliation is the process of mending the bridge that has been broken down between the two. Jesus is the one who reconciles God and men after there has been an eruption of hostilities in this way. In Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, listen to it. For if while we were enemies, there has been some disruption in the relationship, while there was a disruption, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. How can a person repair the breaches that exist because of their sin in their relationship with God. How can it happen? It cannot happen except through Jesus Christ. He is the intermediary by God's design. It has to be through him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you see the same concept, verse 18 beginning. All things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then he explains to wit, so that you can know, he says, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning unto them their trespasses and having committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There has been a trespass, has there not? There has been a sin, has there not? There has been an act of war against the God of heaven, has there not been? Yes, there has. God sees that and he uses Christ he says to reconcile to repair the damage that has been done not imputing unto us our trespasses he's willing to deal with our trespasses through Christ to repair the damage that we have caused and so Jesus Christ he is our mediator he, he is the one who can go between. He can speak to me and speak to God. He can speak to God and speak to me. He's the only one. The man, Jesus Christ. I want to say just a few moments about the covenant of the mediator. The covenant. It's important because in the New Testament, the greatest discussion you will find about Jesus being our mediator is in the book of Hebrews. And the emphasis you find in the book of Hebrews is on the idea that Jesus is the mediator of a, a new covenant. Hebrews 9 and 15, Hebrews 12 and 24, for example. 
And so where this term mediator is applied to Jesus in the New Testament, the designation mainly has to do with an institution of a new covenant, that is, new terms upon which the Father in heaven is willing to maintain peaceful relationships with men on earth. The new covenant is the arrangement that God is willing to utilize and recognize to maintain peaceful relations with people who have uh, sinned and committed outrages against him here on earth. He says he is the mediator of a new covenant. He didn't amend the first covenant. He did not uh, tweak it. He replaced it. He says a new covenant. And the new covenant is based on, listen to it, better promises. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. Jesus has come and done the work of all those people and all those offices under the old covenant. He has done all that they tried to do in one man. And the arrangement that he has come to with the Father for us is better than the arrangement that they had under the old law. Jesus Christ. He has communicated the terms by which we can be reconciled to Jehovah. And he alone, he alone is our opportunity to be right and to be reconciled. He is the only one who can intervene with God for us. He says in John 14, verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen, no man, no man comes to the Father but by me. Somebody said, I've got a relationship with God. I, I hope you do. But listen, you don't have one outside of Jesus Christ because no one goes directly to the father. His arrangement is that you come through the son. And Jesus says, no man can come to him unless they come by me. I'm the go between. I am the intermediary. I am the mediator. I am the one who can fix it. I will facilitate communication between man and God. I will. I alone will create the conditions for peace. Job rather famously lamented the fact that he did not have a mediator. He, he felt the need for a mediator between himself and Jehovah. In Job chapter 9, he says, For he is not a man, speaking of God, he is not a man as I am that I should answer him. You know, there's a distance between me and God. He recognizes that. I mean, God is in heaven and, and I'm not. He's the creator and, and I'm his creature. And so there's this distance. He's not a man that I can speak to him the way I might speak to another person. He says that we should come together in judgment. There is no umpire. And the old version says no daysman. There is no referee. He laments the fact that there was no 
mediator. There was no one to take his hand and God's hand and bring the two together. And he says that he may lay his hand upon both of us. That imagery is really, that imagery is really beautiful. He says there's no one who can sort of lay his hand on Jehovah and lay his hand on me and bring us together. And you can see how despondent Job was and you can see how hopeless he was because he just didn't, he didn't recognize anyone who could do that. You and I, well, we'll never be despondent and hopeless like that because we do have an umpire. We do have a daysman. We do have a mediator. There is someone who can put his hand on God and put his hand on us and bring us together. And that someone is Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. Thank you.